Happy Friday, everybody. You can call it whatever you want. We're right on the cusp. I was just telling the story of a trip on the A train here, and this gentleman got on with a bongo, set of bongos and a crate, and he just walks through the A train, crowded A train, and he's like, good morning, good morning, good morning, and everybody's got their head down and their buds in and they're looking, and I, you know, I don't look at my phone on the train. I don't wear headphones. I like to be aware of what's happening around me, and it was just so profound, and you just had, like, the best message, and you talk about good messages a lot uh and promoting them and it was just hilarious because he was just like everybody should say good morning so good morning good afternoon how's everybody happy friday you're listening to the entrepreneurial web i'm your host jeremiah fox before i introduce my guests today we're gonna start with the message of the day and it is good morning no i'm just kidding the message of the day pertaining to my guest is that digital engagement often has the end goal of intimate connection Mm. We'll get your feedback on that later. Mm. Let me just pull up my old friend's information here. Guest today is David Raphael. David Raphael is a growth marketer and the chief strategy officer of Flatiron Collective. He specializes in helping businesses grow rapidly through Facebook and Instagram advertising and hypothesis-driven <laughs> experimentation across their market funnels. He's worked with a wide range of businesses, including WAG, Artsy, FanDuel, Life360, Spin, Parks, Casino, Abide, Waking Up, and many others. Let's give David a good morning. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome, David. How are you doing today? Doing very well. Awesome. Very well. Great. So David and I are like an old relationship that's been recently rekindled. We didn't see each other for quite a while. Um, I actually lived in his parents' house for a little time. I paid rent. <laughs> no, you were, you were that was, great. That was a good tenant. But uh, you're by far the youngest person we've had on the show. That doesn't say much. I've had a lot of old, a lot of old guys on here. <laughs> but David's from from a new generation. But you you grew up in Brooklyn, yes? I did. I grew up in Park Slope and in Windsor Terrace, in Windsor Terrace as yeah. well. Um, where that's where we we got to know each other and uh, and like a little like what nineties. In, in early 2000s? Yeah, I forget. Yeah, that Time was like, fuzzy, but... <laughs> you're not that old. Um, and 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 how, how did you feel about it? I've talked to a lot of... I've had people on and that, you know, pretty much everybody so far that's been a guest has been from New York, um, different neighborhoods. But how did you feel about it? Because a lot of these guys grew up in like 1970s and 80s New York and you weren't around for that. Oh, I, re- no. I remember it. I didn't live here, but I was like, I, don't, I wouldn't live I there. Like I was very, very lucky, you know. Born, yeah. Born in 89... Born on, you know, grew up on 12th Street, uh, 7th Avenue, um, kind of felt like Sesame Place, just very, uh, yeah. just very. Well, that was, I mean, that was, that was rebound time, but it was, yeah. there was still some sketchiness happening. I was young enough that I, I probably didn't see it. And by the time yeah. I was fully conscious, it was just, yeah, yeah. felt very, very peaceful and calm. That's cool. Nice. I mean, that's, that's very fortunate. That's awesome. That's a great environment to, it probably has contributed to your, to your success. And, and where'd you go to school? So I went to school at PS321, we're at uh, 7th Avenue, course, yes. uh, 51, kind of that's the mm-hmm. theater. Yep. Then I went to a school called Bard High School Early yep. College in mm-hmm. the Lower East Side. Yeah. Um, how, how was that experience? It was cool. They gave us, uh, we had college professors in mm-hmm. high school. Uh, it was, the Gates Foundation funded it, so it was free, and you ended up graduating with an associate's degree. That's amazing. So you could save, you know, like six figures in college. Yeah, um, yeah, Definitely. Um, and, and how did you feel? I mean, you know, historically 321 and 51 for those park slopers who are watching, uh, has, has been a really renowned school. You know, I, my kids didn't go there, so I don't really, I'm not, I can't, uh, vouch for the academics, but what did you feel like when, when you were there? Was, that was like when it was hot. That was, I mean, it's all, it's all couched in nostalgia. So, you know, when I look back at 321, it, you know, feels like a perfect experience. yeah i mean do you feel like that those those situations contributed to leading you uh to bard and like that that kind of success yeah i, I think so um yeah i think uh i feel like i kind of lucked out to be honest yeah kind of you know mm-hmm. 51 you know middle school in general you look back to it, most people don't really love middle school yeah uh so you know i don't have the fondest memories but uh yeah, kind of. I felt like I, I I lucked into lucked into high school, and it, it feels like everything has been kind of serendipitous. Just kind of right. Yeah, I know the feeling. Um, yeah. It's funny. We on an earlier show, one of the the first ones, we were talking about luck and fortune, and describing it as the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Mm. 
So you had you had you know good preparation in a number of ways that you were you know you were born into a family that was able to situate themselves you know in a kind of environment like that, and then just your own DNA. So that was like your preparation, and then the opportunity came along for you where you it's like oh I can go here, I can try this, I can try to put these things together, and. Bam. I think it falls from a sense of safety as well. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's you can you can take more risk if you feel Absolutely. like you have a foundation. Absolutely. And I feel like you know I also had you know. Okay, don't start talking about jujitsu oh, yet. We have a lot. We have. A lot. I'm going to talk about <laughs> talk about parenting for a moment. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so so go gr- for it. growing up in, in Park Slope, you know, two mothers, mm-hmm. just a very uh, just a very good. In, I mean, I I couldn't have really asked for more. Just yeah. Very yeah. very you know kind of unconditional love support. I mean, no, I, I agree. I mean, my first the first time I met you because you were away in college when when we moved into your parents house, uh, I got that sense from you right away. It was just like this is a very confident, relaxed person who could take risks. And like you it just was so clear that you had like solid foundation. Um, I think I mean, I, I remember reading some I, I, I think having two moms is a big advantage. Um, you know, it's it's and I've seen some studies recently, you know, there, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not it's good for children to be raised by mm-hmm. lesbian parents or gay parents. And what's interesting is that it's not accidental in the sense that if if a gay couple wants to have children, it's a right. very intentional decision. They're very, you know, ready for it. So. It wasn't like the way I had kids. Where I was like, what? You're what? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So there's a lot of intent behind it, and and you just have to approach it differently than the way. I, I mean, literally the whole time I've been a parent for 12 years, I've been flying by the seat of my pants and just like winging it, just like I was saying earlier. It's a good thing I, I studied jazz because you gotta just be in the moment and like adjust and like, oh my god, it's been crazy, but it's life it's as a whole, right? Yeah, um, but again, that goes. That's a testament to the to the preparation aspect of fortune. You had that good preparation, just. But luck too, right? It's I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's that's what to me that's what luck kind of ends up being is like that that intersection of preparation and opportunity. So the preparation can come in so many different forms, like your own internal DNA, what your family did before to help you set up, and then the opportunity comes along, and boom, you take it. And you know, if you've had the right preparation and you you utilize the opportunity the right way, it's like voila, it's yeah. luck. I mean, I guess it's not always that way, but that's a good way of describing it. So. Yeah. Uh, so talk to us about your experience at Bard. Um, what were, what was your main? Did they, do they were they like a specialized kind of school? How schools are? No, often no, not really. I yeah. remember actually, I really wanted to go to Brooklyn Tech. That was yeah. my mm-hmm. right now. I live right across from it, and I was right. one question away. It was an eight hundred point test with a hundred questions, and I was eight points below getting in. So Bard was. I was very sad about it at first, but it ended yeah. up being great. Um, Especially yeah, getting like finishing high school with an associate's yeah, degree, we had, essentially. We just had, like, really good teachers, um, you know, and they, I felt, even when I went to college, um, I felt I felt like I had a, a step up because yeah. I had been already taking those, kind right. of, that level of course before, so. So, yeah. it, did you study anything in particular there, or was just, it was just kind of a general, just like awesome the, school? Just like the, the, you know, like the great works, right, all the dead white men, all the, you know, the philosophers <laughs> and that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, n- nothing, nothing in particular, but just the general canon of... And anything that particularly uh, stood out to you as far as business goes that you got from there? Or no, not really? at all. Actually, the funny, like, I've I've never studied... I took... I've never studied marketing right. or business right. at all, so... Yeah. <laughs> all right. So moving on then to your college days. You went to school in Chicago? Yes. What, uh, what college did you go to? So I went to the University of Chicago. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I was on the, the south side of Chicago. I actually lived um, right next to Obama's uh, old house. Um and yeah, it was uh, cold. It was cold. <laughs> it was cold. The winters. The no, winters I went to school in Buffalo, man. Yeah. It was wretched, especially not being very from similar. I actually think I, I've always felt like Buffalo in the winter and Chicago in the winter mm. are probably very kind of they're, similar. I think they're on different sides of that, like that Canadian wind <laughs> that comes down. But man, brr, yeah, I, I did my my like three years and got out because it was it was too cold. This is this is as much as I can take here. So. <laughs> Um, and you study political science, correct? Yeah, which was, I mean, again, kind of a catch-all category. Right, right. It was the broadest major I could study, um, and I could pretty <laughs> so much really fit. focused. <laughs> yeah, not focused at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of following what interested me, which uh, you know, took a bunch of you know, I took a course on virtual worlds. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of courses in you know, philosophy and a couple of psychology, some econ. Just kind of a right. It, it, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't targeted towards some vocational end. It was just kind of learn to think, I guess. 
That's that's important. Yeah, that's really important. Very interesting that you ended up in in the particular field that you did. And, and so uh, you mentioned some digital studies. I mean, that when I was in school, you know, there was one programming course, and that was it. I mean, they didn't. It wasn't a thing yet. You know. But I mean, frankly, I've I've my, my technical ability in terms of programming, in terms of coding, is relatively limited. Right. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I, I took. I think I've taken probably two computer science courses in, in my entire life. So I didn't. So it leave. wasn't. It wasn't even no. that. Yeah. Yeah. Most of it's right. just kind of through trying experience. To fi- trying to figure you out. It's going to take the whole hour right. to figure out Let's how this like this happened. So you finished school in Chicago, but you stayed in Chicago for a little while, right? Right. You didn't. I did. uh, you so didn't move right back. I didn't. So my, my first job was actually I worked for Sears and Kmart out in their <laughs> corporate uh, headquarters, um, and, and it's it's kind of I mean it's not sad actually because I keep seeing a little bit. <laughs> I, mean, I looked I looked yesterday, and you know I think they were closing. Oh yeah. 150 stores left. Mm. Retail. Yeah. Boy. And so yeah, I worked. Um, <laughs> my first job was in was it Kmart in the food and drug department, pricing alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, Kmart sells alcohol. They they do in in, uh, in Illinois, uh, wow. across the country. They do. My job was to was to find the right price for the right uh, skew of alcohol. Well, they don't here. I mean, they sell beer in New York, but that's it. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, beer and yeah, varied by states and yeah, yeah. A whole. Every state's a little different. Yeah, but yeah, no. So it was it was Kmart, and then I started working on the loyalty program mm-hmm. uh, for Sears, which is called Shop Your Way. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of my projects was in fact. It was a store closing project to try to retain, um, you know, members when yeah. their store closed. Sure. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting experience, but ultimately it felt like we were, you know, the the the, the trajectory was very clear at that point in time, and so there's something Sisyphean about trying to like for you or ju- just to, to to work uh for a company where you mm-hmm. knew what would happen. Yeah, and there was no way it wouldn't happen, and to try to shift that, it, it felt. Uh, it, it was not necessarily a, a motivating type of uh, right. initiative. Yeah, I can bet. Well, just working for a company like that, anyways, maybe for me, I would die inside. <laughs> I, I, I learned a lot. The people were, were, were yeah, I'm were, sure it was a learning experience. Yeah, but That's it's great. but and it has played out exactly as I thought it would. Yeah. Um, and I still know people there. I had a great boss there who taught me a lot. He still works there. But retail has um, taken such a hard, hard hit. Yeah. Well, we can. We're going to take a break in just a moment, but we can talk about what we're. Talk- We've already. We're on fire. We already. I've had four shots of espresso today. That last one really like. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's the one. Here we go. Yeah. We've been at it for half an hour before the show. The elevator ride. Everything. So we'll we'll pick that up when we get back. We'll talk about what we were talking about in the elevator. You're listening to the entrepreneurial well. We'll be back in just a few. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. listening to the talking alternative network are you stuck in a rut negative thoughts feelings and conversations got you down hi i'm noreen sumter the potentiator tune in every tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m eastern time and listen for new ideas on my show beyond potential live life your way on talkradio.nyc are you a conscious co-creator are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. I can officially say good afternoon now. Welcome back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my guest, David Raphael. First segment, we were talking about David's 
upbringing in Brooklyn uh, and schooling in Chicago and absolutely doing nothing related to his current career. Yeah. Which I kind of did the same. Um, but in the, the elevator ride on the way up, we were talking about uh, the former Uber CEO and, and what he's got going on and, and the effect of uh, business models like that on retail, like what it's done to retail, which, it, you know, has simultaneously impacted service because, you know, I, like if you take, for example, the, the mall, you know, yeah. the quintessential shopping experience for decades in America, they're just closing. It's like so dystopian. I mean, in a way, I love it because I always hated them. I was like, this is just crap, you know, and there's there's so many other ways to do things. And it was just so cookie cutter, like everywhere you went, it was the same experience. And I've always wanted like the new thing, you know, it's like something different. Like it's fine if you have that, but that shouldn't be the only thing. And in so many places it was. And then they would be surrounded by all the chain franchise restaurants. And so you're looking at like mall closures and then you're looking at companies like Outback Steakhouse and TGI Fridays and Chili's and like each one of them are closing 200 locations a year. And you were talking about that with with Kmart and Sears yeah. and, and Kmart and Sears. I mean, they, they were probably the most overextended of right. almost any. I mean, their asset was they just had still have tons of real estate and they mm. it's been a, you know, a multi. I mean, since I left and before slowly trying to unwind that. Yeah. To try to, to dump the real estate and do something else with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting what's happening with malls now. They're like, they're, some of them are becoming shelters. Some of them are becoming like art galleries and like weird things like that. Like the vacant malls. Yeah. What, what, what do you think about, um, I forget the name, it's about to open, the one in, in, uh, in Jersey. Um, oh, I don't know. What is it? This is, so this, they started this back in 2004, I believe. And this is, um, this is supposed to be the most kind of impressive mall in the country. Uh-huh. They have like the largest Nickelodeon amusement park right it's, it's got to have like an amusement park yeah and there's got to be it's like be an experiential draw to a shooting honest. range yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but it's been delayed for like you, know, you can wrestle a bear yeah. if you come here yeah right. something right. unique yeah um but it, it was started in the early 2000s and it's been delayed for many reasons and no one would do this project now but it's a legacy project they've already invested in it so i think it's supposed to open so now, they, like now. they're committed they have yeah. to do it but yeah that's crazy that guy that used to make fudge in the middle of the mall, that's no longer like, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's, that was the attractive feature. And then all the freaks, of course, that were there. Wow, that's crazy. So what's this dude up to with the uh, the cloud kitchens and like stores? I heard he's going to, he's like taking over like the basement of parking garages. Yeah, and I mean, so this is, it's interesting because there are a lot of other, so Brazil is an interesting market where they mm-hmm. do a lot of this, where almost everyone orders via courier. Um, and you have a lot of these restaurants that are, you know, solely made for online delivery right and so you know he's following that trend right i mean it already started here i know uh david chang from uh, yeah. fuku had a couple places like that and they were, you well, know th- those i believe didn't those shut down yeah yeah and it, he said the volume was crazy you know it was just it it I, it was probably his first stab at that you mm-hmm. know um and and i love to listen to him i love you know a lot of what he has to say and, and he's really open about you know, his losses and things that didn't work. And, and someone asked him in an interview, it was probably like a year ago, they're like, are you done with delivery? And he was like, probably not. Like, it sucked. It didn't work out. There's enough, but we can do it better. Yep. You know, he was talking about like guys rolling up on like on a bike with like a like a hot plate on the back of their bike and cooking it right there and like running it up to your apartment but like actually cooking it in front of you he's like you never know what's gonna happen you know That's an interesting what, model. yeah exactly i mean <laughs> you might have been joking he's kind of a wacky dude but but that's, a, you know, the, the cloud kitchen kind of idea is already here where people I've heard people talk about, you know, I was ordering delivery from this place and then we decided to go by and it was like on the sixth floor of some building. And there's like it was just like a like a room like this, you know, yeah. just like a closed door. And they still get inspected by the, you know, the Department of Health and everything. But there's just no there's no dining room. There's no like maitre d'. Yeah. There's no like there's no seats. You don't get any of that. Uh, and, and the challenge, I think, is is you, you look at, I think, um Travis just raised three hundred or four hundred million dollars yeah, from the, million, from the yeah. Saudis, um, and the problem is that a lot of these new business models, even look at Amazon buying Whole Foods, right? Mm-hmm, a lot of these right. tech companies that don't actually have to make a profit are now competing with businesses that do. Yeah, and so you know, it, what do you mean by that? Like tech companies that don't have so, to make so a profit. So, for example, Amazon. Amazon's very famous for a while back, basically uh, telling Wall Street that, hey, you know, don't worry about my, you know my you know quarterly profits right worry about my growth right we're gonna invest right. in the future gotcha and so okay. if you look when amazon bought whole foods a couple of years back 
all of the other um, you know grocery uh, stocks fell because what they realized is that Amazon could acquire Whole Foods and lose money. It's right. already a low margin business. They could lose money, and that's fine for them. Right. And so similarly, they're going, they're going for reach. Exactly. And yeah. they're going for growth. And so yeah. similarly, Travis, I'm sure, will go for growth and it probably won't generate a profit, just like Uber, right. just like most of these tech companies. Right. Um, but he's going to be cannibalizing business from, you know, companies that that do need to make a profit. Sure. That's the, that's the yeah, challenge. That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah. Like this one right here. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's already had an effect. It's been obvious um, w- when things like really got hot in terms of the uh, online delivery market uh and i've seen it from from both ends from the retail liquor industry end and also from the full service restaurant end you know and i think you know there's been a time where it's like okay there's enough market share for everybody you know i mean you can't you can't be delusional in like the restaurant industry and like we're gonna make (laughs) millions of dollars at this restaurant you know it's it's definitely a labor of passion um and like i was saying to you in the elevator like it's still viable but then the future outlook is a little like, well, you know, not like you ever knew before, but now it's really like, right. oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, does it make sense? Like I have inside of me this, this like hankering to open another restaurant, but this, this makes me pause and think, well, maybe I should get into the digital world. <laughs> I, I still think that, um, I mean, if you look at the delivery space in particular, it, it's incredible. I mean, everyone loses money. So, you know, Square used to own Caviar, right. which they sold to, uh, I think, was it... Uh, Deliver one of the, one of these other um, companies, and and so no one's making money in this in the delivery scene, right? They're yeah. all they're all they're all basically fighting for market share. And, and who is it? Grubhub is like under Grubhub major seamless scrutiny right yeah. now, especially like uh, it's either citywide or statewide, but uh, local government is getting involved and oh, yeah. putting some heavy pressure on them. That's the that's a whole other story too. I yeah. mean, I've wor- <laughs> so I've worked with uh, you know a lot of companies that have to deal with you know governments and cities an example is like i've worked with spin the electric scooter company yeah. and it, kind of similar to in a way where you come in you don't ask for permission just like uber right you come in you just drop your scooters or who's that what's the them. other rebel <laughs> they just well, yeah. dropping them things yeah. everywhere like it's crazy yeah it's uh it's kind of you know you take take, take a market by storm yeah don't ask for permission by the time they try to stop you you've already you know you've already got loyal users and in, in the city back I think with uh, de Blasio in his first term, when he tried to stop Uber, uh, they just they used the app and they, they had all their users basically, um, you know, like an easy way in the app to actually like call City Hall and, and protest it. And oh, that yeah. actually worked. Yeah. I mean, now now things have turned a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> it's not looking so good. for yeah. them. That's crazy. Wow. All right. So you you we were talking in the first segment, you you ended up staying in Chicago and working for Sears and Kmart, but something brought you back to New York City. I mean... Talk about that. And then how did you transition from... Yeah. Like brick and mortar into more of a digital... I I was already kind of on... So I had moved... So so the loyalty... uh, One of the... The thesis for Sears and Kmart was this loyalty program called Shop Your Way Rewards. Mm -hmm. The idea that, you know, if you've got all this data on what people are, you know, what they like, you can somehow you know, mine that and make the experience better. So I was already familiar with the idea. And around, like, what year was that? This was, like, 2012 to 13. So Amazon was already hot fire by that point. Speaking of which, I mean, the other big thing about Sears that's so sad is that Sears could have been Amazon. Yeah. If you think about if you look way back in the day. So many companies could have been Amazon. But but Sears in in particular. (laughs) Yes. Sears had... You know, back in the day, they had the they were the they were the ones the first ones to really deliver to the entire country. Mm-hmm. They had the catalog, they had all the infrastructure for it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of sad that they they had they could have seized on that. Yeah, that's how it goes. But I mean, a lot of people are are not being pliable these days, and and especially take a company like that. I mean, even when my like earliest memories were going to a Sears in Nashville, you know, I mean, it was around for a while and they were operating off of a different model and things started to change. And if, you know, then things started to really change like really fast. And yeah. a company like that is probably like, fortunately for me, I'm young enough that I'm like, okay, I can change. I can change quicker. Okay. You're going faster. I can go faster too. You know, but that was a, that was a pretty old company and probably run by old people, <laughs> you know, who were just, I mean, just kind of reluctant to, to change. It, it was, although not going into too much detail it was actually so come on man come on so so um 
there was a hedge fund manager who actually purchased he purchased uh, Kmart when it was going bankrupt and combined it with Sears mm-hmm. to create this kind of like kind of a little bit of a Frankenstein. Um, but he was very uh, he had a vision. Um, and he, he was, you know, he was young. He actually was, you know, he was known as like the next Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Sears holding kind of story and the amount of time he spent on that has very much tarnished his, his reputation. Yeah. Um, you don't have to go anymore. No, I, I won't. I, won't I can tell you're uncomfortable. <laughs> don't do it. Um, but it, it, what you were talking about with the, this loyalty program, I mean, that's, that's something that just the incentivizing is really, uh, played a big factor in what I've been dealing with lately. And people are really into it. I haven't started data mining yet, but I will. <laughs> oh, not necessarily. Um, I, I still, like I said at the beginning, it, for me, the, the, the digital connection, the digital outreach is definitely to draw people into an intimate experience. And, and I've fought that for so long. You and I were talking about that one of the first times we, we kind of reconnected where it was just like, it was creepy to me first because it was, you know, I'm just an analog boy. You know, I, I did grow up in different times. And, uh, and, and having small locally owned businesses, I just always, I was like, I don't need that. That doesn't affect me. And for a while it didn't, but then it became obvious that it did. Um, and we just did a, like a, a round table, <coughs> excuse me, at uh, Della the other night. And one of the things I talked about, um, because one of the ladies that I know there, she uses dating apps and we kind of joked about it for a little while, but I was like, I, I liken it to a dating app where you, you you create this digital outreach, but not to stay digital. Yeah. The goal is to be is analog. to have an intimate yeah. relationship with this person, Ooh. and that it didn't occur to me for so long. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's a dating app, but for like my restaurant or for this yeah. or for the dojo or whatever. Like it's it, we're just like connecting with people. That, That's where the attention is. And, and even Facebook, you look now. Um, ever since 2016, Russia, all of that. Yeah, Facebook's right. very much emphasized the idea that. You know, the best way to use Facebook is off Facebook. It's about making real life connections. Um, and so I and, and the dating side. So, so just to jump ahead, <laughs> my first job in tech was for a dating site, uh, a Facebook dating site, in fact, what? Um, called Are You Interested? And the way this worked in the Wild That's West. A terrible. Thing. Uh, <laughs> That's so great. It's like the guy in the bar. Hey. Are you interested? I mean, it's straightforward. So it is, but that's like creepy. You got a little more tact than that. (laughs) It is. And um, it didn't work out, did it? (laughs) uh, No, it it did. I mean, it it did. And so in the way it worked initially, I mean, one of the larger narratives, I think for the last seven or or years or so, my faith has been very much tied to Facebook. Uh And so this app, in the early days, in order to catalyze growth, Facebook decided to just open up the ecosystem for app developers. Mm -hmm. So... The way this worked, and this is very creepy and would seem very strange nowadays, but every time you would do anything on this app, it would be, on this dating app, it would be shared to your Facebook feed. <laughs> and so... Uh, I can see where this is going. <laughs> well, well and, and these dating apps, they, 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 they derive value from the size of the network. Uh-huh. And so if you, can, yeah. if you can build a large enough network of people on your site, you will have a valuable product. And so this app actually got... If you believe it or not, 100 million users. No, I bet. Purely I bet. from the yeah. Facebook virality. Sure, sure. Um, and so, yeah, so, so that was the foundation. And over time, Facebook just started, you know, basically making things a little harder. And it just kept shrinking and shrinking yeah, yeah. and shrinking. Friction. That's another thing. All right, we're going to take a short break. I need to, that was a little creepy. I need to go <laughs> cleanse. Uh, we'll, t- we'll get back. We can get a little deeper in that and talk about some friction. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. 
Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And we're back. Going to give a quick shout out to my boy Mauricio, talking about jujitsu, one of my main training partners. And Stefan, what's going on, man? Toot toot. So we were talking about the awkwardness of this Facebook dating app and how. What what did you say? You said they got a lot of attention. We got a hundred million users. Yeah, and then like they were. What you said something about them being the first. Well, so, like yeah, they were so, early to the game. But yeah, so basically, when Facebook wanted to get people engaged with the platform, they allowed the first couple apps to be very aggressive with mm-hmm. how they became viral. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, early bird gets the worm. Yeah. So like I, this is something that became apparent to me lately, just listening to certain people, Gary Vee, we both listen to him a lot. He's a, he's a fascinating character. Um, and, and just, ahead. just uh, one point that Gary Vee makes that I think is interesting with this conversation is yeah. the idea of, of nostalgia and the power mm-hmm. of nostalgia. And so even as, you know, even as you have things like the cloud kitchen and all these kind of, massively accelerating technologies, I think that almost increases the desire for things like Della right, and things right. that are, you know, intimate let's, and real. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that when I just saw him say that, you know, within the last month and I, and he's really into buying like nostalgic brands and yeah. like, I kind of, I like operate off of nostalgia. I love it. I mean, I spend a good portion of my time, like just rewinding and, and we were talking about Sears and like, I have these fond memories when I was a kid growing up in Nashville and like, we went to Sears yeah. and I thought it was amazing. It was like this massive place. And, you know, it seemed so much more, uh, what's, what's the word, uh, less sterile and, and definitely more intimate. And, and there's a word that I, I want to say, and it's just escaping me right now, but nostalgic. <laughs> it was, I mean, I just have so much nostalgia for that time. Innocent. Yeah. Just super innocent. And I'm sure it was like crazy Chinese made goods and stuff like that. Like all the shit that's happening now is still happening then. But maybe not. I mean, we're no, talking about it like wasn't. it wasn't back then. I mean, like 1979, prior to like globalization, yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, it just it really seemed innocent. And, and I just like have such a fond memory of that. And and I would totally like I want to keep that alive in some way, like whatever. If I make enough money, I totally want I don't want to buy the Jets like he does. But I want to I want to, you know, participate in some nostalgic brands or nostalgic uh, like what would you call that like retro nostalgic like yeah. a new company that's like to revive an old brand yeah. and or just make a new one that yeah. that's Resemble. reminiscent of a of a of an old one and and just like kind of keep that going yeah it's, it's fascinating but so one of the things that the point I was going to make that he says he says a lot of really great things but um is is you know there there are two ways to be super successful with attention one is just be a pioneer be one of the first if you're one of the first you kind of get undivided attention whether it's digital or whether you know you you go into a a neighborhood that's kind of desolate it doesn't have much going on and you open one of the first businesses or whatever it is you want to do and it's not really happening yet and and you do it well you get a certain amount of attention and you really got to, like we were saying on the break, you really got to fuck it up to, to lose that attention, which, which certainly happens, but you, it's like actively, you got to do something to lose that. Attention. It's also riskier though, right? When you, when you take these things, Absolutely. it's more risk and more reward, which yeah, is crossing the, the street is risky, yeah. whatever. I don't worry about that so much, <laughs> but, um, breathing air is risky these days. Everybody's like, don't eat, don't eat gluten. Don't breathe. Don't drink the water, whatever. Um, and then the other point that he made is like, if you don't get in early, the other way to just be super successful is just be the best, you know, just totally kill it, which is uh, hard to do too. You know, that's risky in a different way. To be I, the best or be the first. Yeah. There aren't that many. I like, I like the, I like the first better. <laughs> I've never quite been the best at anything. Um, you know, so there's a third way. 
What? Oh. There's a third one. <laughs> um, and, and, and this is kind Let's of... hear the plug. <laughs> well, well, this is kind of the, the what I'm telling you before in terms of yeah. the, the challenge with these tech companies is if you don't have to care about profits yes. and you have a lot of money... You can go to, fa- I mean, you can go anywhere, and you can you can buy growth, right? Um, and so, yeah, if you have enough money, you can buy customers, users. Doesn't mean that they're gonna, you know, you're gonna make a profit on them, right. but that's not a sustainable strategy. But it is a strategy that many companies do uh, pursue. And and to be clear, we're not talking about buying likes or followers no. on like Instagram the way no. that uh, somebody that wants to be you know. Uh, no, uh, well, like a successful musician, well, you know, and you have to have a certain amount of likes. You're talking about uh, buying attention. Well, and, and not just attention, but behavior. Mm-hmm. And so this is yeah. something that's very sometimes difficult for me to explain. And that it's still a little creepy. This is very. Gonna, we're going to call this show the creepy show. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on. So, this is what the youth is doing today, everybody. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about what's actually happening on. So, so I'm primarily a Facebook and Instagram media buyer. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my. Bread and butter. So before you go on, let's let's Define finalize. That. Like you, you came back to New York and you you've worked for some of these companies, but oh, yeah. now you're doing your own thing. You want to just just oh, yeah. describe so, so, that so, quickly. So, so dating the, site, the thirty so, second commercial. Go. Yeah, so, so real quick, uh, dating site. I was doing um, basically product analysis. So we'd run dozens of A/B tests on the product, like you know the, the ranking algorithm or different types of UI. So my job was to determine like what types of what version of the product was the best for yeah. driving revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so to that. Then I moved over to FanDuel back in 2015, right when uh, we had the war with DraftKings. It was a big. Is this, were you still in Chicago? Or I was in New York at the time. You were in New York. Yeah. Yep. And so we. So did uh, you move back here for work, or just I'm, to get, get be closer to your family, or both? Bit of that. Also, kind of tired of working at Sears, so it kind of all <laughs> melded together. Surrounded by old men. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, but FanDuel was a very interesting experience mm. because FanDuel was flush with money we were the actually when instagram first became a paid platform we Mm -hmm. were the the largest spenders Mm -hmm. um of anyone in the world on the platform had to have been an interesting time well we 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 ended i mean the thing with fanduel was we uh we played under the um (laughs) the game of skill harbor so essentially uh with some of these um you know gambling laws uh there was a an opening allowed for for fantasy Mm -hmm. so it was a game of skill and so we, we kind of took that loophole, built a business around it, and then funneled hundreds of millions of dollars into marketing. Um, what ended up happening is that you couldn't escape the ads, the TV ads or any of the ads. And so you'd have like congressmen and like senators and they were like, they were just getting blasted with yeah, these yeah. ads. And eventually they were like, this is not acceptable. So, um, so you got some heat. <laughs> got some heat. We actually staged, I remember we staged a uh, protest outside of... Um, uh, Eric Schneiderman, back when he was Attorney General, outside mm-hmm. of his office, and the chant was "Game of Skill, Game of Skill," but it actually sounded like "Game Moms Kill." Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't an effective uh, <laughs> protest. Uh, and then they saw your profile and they're like, "Yep, he's got two moms. His kids <laughs> coming after us. He's a terrorist." Yeah. What's up, Ashton? I see you there. What's going on? So. Um, you you go from working for these large companies. Eventually, you started doing this on your own. Yeah, and so and, and primarily what w- what I did is I started working with WAG in 20, uh, 2016. Um and and basically that that was yeah, that was 3 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um and and essentially the job was to, you know, to help WAG acquire new new dog owners to book a book a walk for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so you know, primarily that was through Facebook and Instagram. And so just the way it works is you know, you tell Facebook what, as long as you, if you can measure what you want, be it, you know, right. someone. You going have to be to, specific. Yeah. It's all about being very, it's all about measuring what you care about. Mm-hmm. So for any business, if WAG, it's a, you know, a new dog owner for Della, it's a new customer for, you know, uh, for a meditation app, it's someone to subscribe it. Every, every business has right. something. Some they are want. purely digital, some are brick and mortar, some are right. a combination of both. Right. But and Facebook can actually receive conversions mm-hmm. from it's very easy to do it digitally right if you want to something happens in your app or your website right. easy to pass it back you see it yeah but even for uh brick and mortar you can actually pass back offline subscriptions to facebook and use mm-hmm. that for optimization and so ultimately it kind of comes down to you have you have a budget you have a goal and you can translate your you know your budget directly into behavior and mm-hmm. you can measure it at the most precise level um and so it's fascinating 
it's, you know, six months ago, I'd have been like, you're a creep. Get away. And I'm like, let's do this. I'm like very interested in this. <laughs> Get into this creepy game. Um, and, and, you know, according to people like Gary V who are, uh, you know, heavily involved in this market, they're, they're saying like, this is the future of, of marketing. Like forget about the old on, you know, untraceable methods. I was, this guy comes into Dell all the time in the wine store, a local guy. He's really great. Uh, he works for, I can't, it was some, a cable network. It might be sci-fi or something like that. And, and his particular group branched off and specifically started doing YouTube videos and really tracking, you know, they're, they're designing for YouTube and they can see when people drop off, when people rewind, like they oh, yeah. get super, super finite information. And his dad was also in marketing and they, they joke around about like his dad was in, in print material, you know, and radio. And he was like, you know, marketers always joke that 50% of marketing works. They just don't know which 50% right. like who's completely untraceable. They're just like, well, here's some money. Let's see what happens. You know, and like the sales come in, the money goes out. Yeah. You think Jesus, you know, like, or a billboard and you know, or like radio It's like, well, people are tuning in, but maybe they're in the bathroom, you know, like they're tuning in. We know that like this many people, but they might not be And that's listening. the biggest, and it still hasn't been solved to be, yeah, to be honest. Sure. The, the, the it problem, probably never will be. Com- I mean, right. well, okay. But, but I'd say that the, <laughs> maybe it will be. the single biggest problem that even for sophisticated companies, like attribution, the ability mm-hmm. to, I mean, for Facebook, it's easier, but um, the ability to tie a dollar spent to to a behavior, easy on digital channels, but very difficult offline. But also, if you don't do offline, if you don't have a a brand presence too, that ultimately funnels down to hurting your business. Oh, yeah. And so it's it's a challenge. Direct response is what I do is very easy because I can, you know, take a dollar, turn it into a customer, directly attributable. You know, for a brand advertiser, if they want to change perception, it's much harder to Sure. Directly correlate that, right? But it needs to be done, it nonetheless. Definitely. So another thing that I've heard Gary V say is, so the two things that really uh, he he's driven home that that uh, you know affect me. It's it's had a big effect on me lately. But one of them you were talking about is just like putting as much money back into the business and thinking of that long term growth instead of like the transaction based approach to business. Yeah. And then the other thing is your brand. Because everything in the middle, especially with what's happening with cloud kitchens and it's, it's just, it's going to be, it's not going to be about the product. I mean, your product, it is. And one, it is going to be about the product and the product better be very good. But then the accessibility and the competition is going to be like just gray matter. And then on the other end is your brand, like whether it's you or um, your business, like the narrative of your business, all of it, it's got to be there because if not, if you're not doing either, you're just like sinking into the hole and and disappearing which is like that sucks because there's a lot of really good products companies brands out there that are not you know especially if you're just if you're analog if you're just like no 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 you know that they don't feel it and i didn't feel it like once i felt it i was like oh my god i'm slipping down the hole like like trying to trying to you know scrape back up the wall i think i think i (laughs) i think i got some traction yeah so we're going to scrape to a quick commercial and then uh, we'll come back and, and wrap things up. And we, we have to talk about jujitsu a little bit, yeah. at least a little bit. I think right. so. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talk. 
talkingalternative.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. Sorry, I had to fix my hair. I see that my sister is watching. <laughs> I'll keep it PG. Um, so <laughs> you have to tell us what you're doing now. You still haven't. I've asked you like four times. You told us what your company is now, what you're doing now. Oh, I mean. trying to be like purposefully, you know, incognito. No, I'm kidding. I'm no, I'm no, kidding, no, not sure. Uh, so I have a, a bunch of, of clients, main, mainly apps. Um, a lot of them, to name a couple of them, um, you know, the, one is, you know, Soothe, Massage mm-hmm. On Demand, um, still working with WAG. Um, my, my favorite client actually is, is Abide, which is Abide in God's Love. It's a Christian meditation. Um, so the, everything is very different. There, there's no unifying customer. Right. I, I like working with businesses that are actually as dissimilar as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically just helping businesses grow and and what you you have your own company now correct um so yeah basically uh i have so there, there's Flatiron. i have another entity um so yeah and how did that how, what's the process like for that i mean i know how to like i know how to open a business i know how to open like a store or a restaurant or or something like that how it's do easier you, how, yeah it's easier i mean <laughs> that's just, just go, go on legal zoom open open llc i mean there's not there's not much I'm, to it i like regulation permits anything what do you gotta i mean if i'm just a person behind a computer Man, there's I'm no fucking <laughs> this this is it i'm out <laughs> yeah, there's there's no real capital i mean it's just wow like the it's a computer and a person. Fascinating to me. I spend so much money every day just to open a door, just to like, and you have no idea what's going to happen. I like always, just, I always wonder when I look at retail business, and I think, and I just think, okay, you have this much in rent, you have all these costs. Like, how do you ensure that you're making enough profit to, yeah, <laughs> live on the seat of your pants, man? Lots of free jazz. <laughs> like, have no idea where it's going to go. I mean, you don't either, but there, there's a little bit more of a buffer. For you, there's right, less, so the cost is not there. Yeah, or the loss and in terms of it's like you got this building that you got. Oh, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And, and growing up, coming up in only that kind of business. I mean, the only time it was different for me was when I was a freelance musician and managing bands because we had the gear already. It was just our time. You know, it was booking. We just show up. We play. You know, that was it. So it was a similar kind of thing. It was just it wasn't digital. Right. It was analog. We were actually there. We were physically there. We were physically playing. But it was just an exchange on information, essentially, yep. you know, um, the, the information was just coming across in, in, in particular types of sound waves that <laughs> made people sometimes move. Um, and, and I enjoyed that. I just, I really didn't like the direction that I was going in an artistic sense. Hmm. It was not my original intention. So I reeled that line back in because that's important to me. I like to be creative and I like to do it kind of on my own terms. And and it was like, it was not going that way. You know, like Carnival Cruise Lines was like, we want you to come on our boat. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like yeah. I know what's going to happen there. You know, I had some friends that had done it and I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not suffering that fate. Um, so speaking of artistic endeavors, you have a little background in martial arts. Let's I do. It's, it's, it's been a, it's which, been a while. Okay, so but, um, but I, I used to be. Very into jujitsu, um, yeah. and so actually seeing you a couple of weeks ago uh, made me deeply nostalgic for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, you probably know far more than I do, but but I, I think the the thing that I always loved about jujitsu, working with you know black belts, they were always so humble, and and part of that that's, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of that is is you know the sense that if you start you know you're rolling, you're getting tapped, and you're going through this um, this journey. And the fact that your ego is being decimated at the beginning of it means that by the end you have that you're not you have an appreciation for, you know, what really matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that you know I think I think just the the philosophy of it and and the the temperament that it creates is very beneficial and has many parallels with marketing and. Life so what did this sound like? The last our last week's episode I literally had 
the owner of Sun Dojo on, and we talk, spent the whole time talking about that. But I'd love to get your you're on the other side. You're on the, the purely business side. What are some of the parallels that that stand out to you? So I mean, a, a lot of it. Uh, we talked about for about luck as well, and it's, it's some of these things are the same in which. Um, so stepping back, I guess I, I I did some work in college. I actually took some Aikido classes mm-hmm. that were academic, which is strange. <laughs> and I always can draw a very interesting parallel between Aikido and Jiu-Jitsu in that sure. Aikido was very academic. As I said, it was, you know, you would do, it wasn't sparring. It was more like dancing and you kind of had to allow your partner to like exert their will on you. <laughs> Throw you across the room. But almost in an exaggerated fashion <laughs> yeah, yeah. where it wasn't dynamic. And the right. beauty of Jiu-Jitsu is is the fact that it's super dynamic. It's dynamic, oh. and there's no the, the, the truth is visceral. Mm. You feel the truth. You feel getting choked out. You can't have any illusions about your skill, right? And so it's so honest. Yeah, it's, it's so it's, so honest. And that's how I view digital marketing as well, in the sense that right. if you can measure the efficacy of every dollar you spend when you're doing poorly, it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, th- there's something about being confronted. You know, it, it's almost like rolling in a sense every day on Facebook. I mean, I spend. Well, tell everybody what rolling means for the non-jujitsu people. Just, just to actually, to actually, to actually spar and practice your technique against against an opponent. Um, and the beauty of jujitsu is that you can do that in a full steam, kind right. of realistic without pulling fashion. your punches, right? Because you're not throwing punches, you're not throwing strikes. It's it's joint manipulation, so you're looking to you know hyperextend potentially someone's elbow, their shoulder, their wrist, their knee, their ankle or choke them out yeah. and and they have the tap which is the capitulation like okay good job you did it let's reset right. and we start again but but up until that point it is super realistic where you could easily be on the street with some crazy dude and if you've done it enough muscle memory will take over even in the heat of battle you'll likely notice again we're talking about luck and like the intersection of preparation and opportunity like often when you get into into uh, you know even an argument you know you, you kind of start to lose your shit and you can't you know you don't do things the right way but when someone grabs a hold of you and you've been doing like i do jujitsu almost every day so i feel like if someone grabbed me i wouldn't even think i would just see the Muscle neck. memory yeah. i would just see the neck and it was like there's the opportunity i've done the preparation boom and like the guy would be asleep hopefully yeah <laughs> you know that's what i hope the opposite of this have you seen those videos i i think the gracies were part of this initially mm-hmm. where you'd have these um you know certain dojos where you'd have some master who would, you know, and you'd have a bunch of students and they would, you know, the master would use some, you know, psychic energy or something. The student would fall backwards (laughs) and the master truly believed that he had that power and the student, and it was bizarre. And it was this, you know, they would spar or, but when, when a real practitioner would come in, you know, the master had the confidence. He thought he could do it. And then all of a sudden he'd be like, oh. And then his ass got knocked out. Exactly. I saw one where a guy like yeah. squared up to like an MMA fighter and he yeah. got knocked out yeah. so fast. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is real. And so similarly, <laughs> though. Invisible jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, but similarly, right, you could, you could take the point of, you know, if you're maybe a brand marketer or you're someone who can't view, if you're not able to measure what you're doing and mm-hmm. see the real impact, you can be deluded as to how sure. good you are and right. what you're doing. Absolutely. And But every day, I mean, I, I spend... I spend tens of thousands of dollars every day on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Um, and I can see exactly what it's what it's doing. And, you know, when it's doing poorly, I have to I have to struggle kind of against Facebook. I have to try things, see if they work for you, for your clients, for my clients. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's it's kind of like it's, it's Randori. Yeah. It's digital Randori. Pretty Damn, much. I can't believe I just said that. Digital Randori. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll get into it straight up. I'll choke that motherfucker. I don't care. <laughs> the That's difference great. is that you're not, I mean, it's not, you know, you're not, you're not rolling against someone in the same right. way. It's not like you're dominate, but, but you have goals. So it's, it's not well, like pure jujitsu is not about that either. It's about the conversation. Like mm-hmm. my, my professor always talks about the jujitsu spiral where it's, it never stops. Mm-hmm. Like there's always an answer. There's always a question. It's not so much about I'm going to beat you. Yep. I'm going to win. Sure. You want to have, the confidence and the self-defense. You should not go through the whole process and not be able to defend yourself. But when you're when you're working at a higher level, it's more about just yeah. like really seeing all the opportunities. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's like, okay, that didn't work, but I want to pretty seamlessly and effortlessly right. move on to something that will work. It's almost like um, <coughs> excuse me, even truth as a, as a concept, right? <laughs> it's this thing where... You're, you're always trying to get there, but it's this kind of asymptotal thing where you can't 
ever truly get there. It's just about the conversation. It's about the process of always seeking that. Well, it's like business. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're never done. You're always trying to make that money, but it's like eluding you. But like me, I purely enjoy the journey of all of it, whether it's martial arts and like going for black belt and and just always being a part of that. That's the best. Like if you get rid of the belt system, I wouldn't care. I would be there every day regardless because it is about that spiral and the same thing. Like Simon Sinek talks about the infinite game where it's just always going on. You could be a part of it or you can be out of it. I just want to be a part of it. I want to make money too. Some, you know, I'm not, I'm not a vain or greedy person, but I really, really chase the journey. And I think that's like the best approach. And and, and money seems to follow passion, right? I mean, if you're, if you're doing things for the sole purpose of, of earning, right. It's much less effective than if it's just a shorter lifespan. Yeah, you know, you're you're designating your shelf life. Then, like this will expire in da, 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 da. right. But hopefully, you can do what what you're passionate about, and then yeah. it kind of just follows. Yeah, there's <laughs> not everybody's pulled it off, but the, there's roadmaps out there. It's certainly available. So, where can people find out information about you? Say, if somebody wanted a listener wanted to get in contact with you and and talk to you about their business and their brand. Where what would be the best way for them to? To reach you, so that's a good question. Um, <laughs> so, so elusive. I, well, I'm, I'm, fa- I'm fairly fairly resource constrained at this point, so I'm, I'm not necessarily taking on a, a ton of okay. additional clients. But um, you know, I've got uh, I've got I've got some medium posts. If you want to learn about Facebook or Apple search ads, I have some medium articles that you can find by searching my name. Uh, there's the website uh, flatiron.co, mm-hmm. which has some more information. Um, an email there. So okay, that exists. Great. Awesome. Well, it's really been awesome having yeah. you, man. I hope, uh, I hope you all got some good information. I'm learning a ton from this guy lately and, and look forward to continuing a relationship and hopefully you had some fun too. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> Have a great weekend. You're listening to the entrepreneurial web. We'll catch you next week. Have a great weekend. Talking alternative radio. 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.